Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home By the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We have completed the seerah, the biography of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala The seerah of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and once again by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we have covered many sessions of the seerah of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala previously in the last few sessions of Darsi Hadith I had explained some of the important masail and fatawas issued by Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and inshallah I wish to conclude on some of the remaining fatawas which are often attributed to Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala a great sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam also a great faqih amongst the companions he would hold his own view during his khilafat and decisions were only taken into consideration after consulting Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala for an example during his khilafat he was of the opinion that if a man was drunk, if a man became drunk by drinking alcohol and in that state if he was to say the words of talaq to his wife the fuqaha would have an opinion but they would first consult Sayyidina Asman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and his fatwa was at that time remember drinking alcohol is haram it is unlawful so this man would be punished in Madinatul Munawwara or in the Islamic Khilafat he would be whipped or lashed but one mas'ala if he was to get drunk or he's intoxicated 
through the methods which are haram for example even today if someone is in the habit of taking drugs and he is not in the right frame of mind and he says to the wife talaq 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 or he is drunk and he says talaq now Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan was of the opinion that when a man is drunk and if he says talaq that talaq is void and invalid that talaq is void and invalid because he is not in the right frame of mind in fact according to Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan nothing of a, a drunkard person for an example his contract his approval his annulment or his divorce nothing was accepted this is the fatwa can I ask just the brothers not to talk please when I'm giving this you want to talk you go outside nothing is accepted from a person who drinks alcohol or who is drunk this is the fatwa of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. now what we need to understand is that please don't think that the fatwa of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan can be applicable today with us also uh, the right application would be is that we refer back to our own fiqh and our own madhab that we follow so that the right ruling can be ascertained very quickly just to explain in the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa that if a person was to drink alcohol and in that state if he gave talaq then that talaq would be valid today so if a man came to me or any alim and he said that I was drunk and I said talaq to the wife that talaq is valid this is a punishment given to him by the sharia you cannot blame the sharia what he has done is wrong anyway and then on top he's done something even worse for himself that now he is regretting and in that state of being drunk he wants to give talaq to the wife so he might want to make a mockery of the rules of sharia yes unless he was forced to drink alcohol he was forced to drink alcohol and he became drunk in that manner then that is a, <coughs> a separate case and the scholars would have to view it individually to come to a decision but generally during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and he was of the opinion that talaq is invalid now we need to understand that these were great companions we're not talking about mujtahids or fuqaha these were even higher than fuqaha and mujtahids <coughs> sahabai kiram ajma'in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given them a lot of authority these were people who stayed in the company of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these were people who had taken direct uh, knowledge from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these were companions who were related to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so sahabai kiram ajma'in when we talk about the khilafat uh, it is completely different to our understanding today what we say that this is in accordance to the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa or Imam Malik or Imam Shafi'i or Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal during the time of Khilafat obviously everybody would return back to some of the senior companions and the final decision would be taken from the Khalifa himself so if you were, if you were alive during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala 
everybody would listen to Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an and what he would have to say. Why? Because he is the Khalifa and he is also the Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these were great, great individuals. Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was also very strict with matrimonial issues. There was no messing with him when it came to nikah. He was very, very serious about nikah and the masail of talaq. For an example, a man came to him and he said, Amirul Mu'mineen, uh, a friend of mine out of anger gave talaq to the wife. Now both of them are regretting. They wish to reconcile. But again, what he did was he gave the wife three talaqs. And so I want to do a favor. I want to be the middleman going in. I wish to marry the woman and consummate the marriage with her and thereafter to give her talaq. And once she has completed my iddat, she should return back to the first husband. This is known in our terminology today as, what is it known as? Halala. <laughs> it just, you might as well say it. <laughs> what is it known as? Halala. halala. Now, this is known as halala. Sayyidina Asman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and got quite angry with him. And he said that nikah is a very serious issue. You can only marry a woman if you have the right intentions to make sure that you will look after her and you are serious about nikah. You can't just marry a woman for a brief period of time and then give her talaq and he, he said no that this is this is not right in sharia so this was the fatwa of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and again we need to remember what I am explaining to you today the masail are strictly masail which are of the opinion of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala because we are covering the seerah the biography of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala so he was very very strict when it came to the masail of nikah also for an example when it came to the masail of iddat now iddat is the period of grace or that waiting period if a man and a woman decide to terminate their nikah then the man can simply give talaq to the lady and she will have to go through that waiting period and that waiting period is known as iddat again the wisdom of iddat the wisdom of idda is is so that if a man was to give the woman just one talaq which is talaq e raji and then he started regretting and he looked at the wife and he felt sorry for her and she felt sorry for him mm-hmm. and they both decided again to get back together to reconcile all he would have to do is just to touch her just to touch her if it is talaq e raji and mashallah they can get back together this is the wisdom this is the beauty of sharia it does not eject the woman immediately and straight away out of your life that you say talaq and that is it she should just get away from you Allahu Akbar that is not right so in sharia we have this process of iddat now iddat has many many definitions Hazrat Uthman bin Affan was very very strict with the concept of idda. one is iddatul wafat Iddatul Wafat would mean that if a man passed away, the husband passes away, 
Then the idda period for a lady is four months and ten days. Arba'ata ashurin wa ashra. Four months and ten days. In the hadith it comes, Hadrat Umm Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha is the narrator, the wife of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that any woman who believes in Allah and in the hereafter, it is not jaiz for her, it is not jaiz for her, it is unlawful for her to mourn for more than three days, except when the husband passes away. Then the mourning period is for how much? Four months and ten days. Four months and ten days. Now according to the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa, if there are any complications, then she just needs to count 130 days. How many days? 130 days for her iddat. So this is the iddat period for a lady who is going through iddatul wafat. In the case of iddatul talaq, if a lady was divorced, then she would have to complete her three menses before she could remarry another person. So once the three menses have been completed, then she is free from the nikah of the first, first husband and she can marry whoever she wants. Now Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan was very very strict. When it came to iddat, he made sure that women would carry out their iddah in the house of the husband, where the husband was staying. In the house of the husband. That is the ruling. And especially when it comes to uh, passing the night, it is not jais, it is unlawful for a lady to pass the night any other, in any other place except for where the husband is staying. These, these are the rules of Sharia. Unfortunately today you'll find a lot of women in Iddat and even today you'll find that for some petty reasons they'll go out wandering the streets. The husband has given her talaq and she's not even staying uh, in her own residence where the husband is. She wants to stay with her father, with her mother and she's also spending the nights there. Now this is all wrong. This is all wrong. We have to be very very careful. We cannot uh, take this very important ruling of Sharia uh, as something that is not important. Inna lillahi wa inna Hazrat Usman was so strict that even if a lady decided to go for Hajj and she had the wealth and there's also a mahram with her, it is the season for Ashurul Hurum for the time of Hajj. And if she decided to come for Hajj, but she is in that state of Iddat, Hazrat Uthman would say, return back to your house. Return back to your house. Hajj is not an obligation on you. Why? Because you are in that state of Iddah. It also comes in the seerah of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan, that there was a lady who was expecting, she was pregnant, and at the same time she was also in Iddat, because her husband had passed away. She went to visit her family members. Now because she was expecting, when she was at the family member's house visiting them, she felt some contraction in the stomach and labor pain started immediately. So a lot of the scholars went to Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan that to give her permission to stay where she is because they knew that Hazrat Uthman was very very strict in Madinatul Munawwara. <coughs> Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and said no she has to return back to the house of the husband and give birth to the child in her own house where the husband lives. This is how strict 
Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was. So these are very very important masail that we need to understand. The masail of talaq, the masail of also iddat. So we've learned about someone who is drunk. Now imagine if someone was sleeping and a lot of people have this habit of uh, sleepwalking and sleep talking and someone might be sleeping and in his sleep he says, ah, tane talaq. Ah, I'm divorcing you. <laughs> ah, I am divorcing you. And, and this can happen. This can happen. Sometimes a person's really angry and he's always fighting with the wife and you get dreams about arguing with your with your partner or vice versa. Even the wife might dream of the husband fighting with her. And so for an example, if someone someone was sleeping but yet facing towards the wife and saying, Ha, talak, talak, talak. What is the masala? Musaba, what's the masala? What would you give a fatwa? No talak. No talak. MashaAllah. We have Mufti Musa here. Uh, Musa by MashaAllah. Oh, Mushtaq. Habib, are you here? He has given the right. Because he is sleeping. Absolutely. Because he is sleeping. The mas'ala is that there is no talaq. Even in the case of a person who is semi-conscious. Semi-conscious. Now you'll find a lot of the people. I have a lot of people coming to me. And they say, oh Mali Sahib, you know what? Um, I gave talaq. But I was not in the right frame of mind. Now you were not in the right frame of mind. Were you drunk? Are you taking drugs? Or what? What were you not in the right? Are you depressed? And if, you, and if there is depression, then we need to speak to the doctor. So that we can gauge the level of your depression. How are you? Ulama have mentioned that even if a person is insane... Insanity to the level that he does not, he cannot differentiate between a man and a woman. He cannot differentiate between a man and a woman. Or if he goes through uh, some medical problems where he does not understand, a time comes <coughs> in the day, during the day, that sometimes um, his understanding or his thinking is impaired. Then again, the masail would differ. But just to fool yourself by saying that I was not in the right frame of mind or I am depressed and say I have given talaq and now I regret this is all wrong this is all wrong talaq will be valid talaq will be valid Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was very very strict Sayyidina Uthman was also not very keen for people to get married to their close relatives he was not very keen. Now, of course, if someone decided to get married to the first cousin, that is jais. There's no problem. In Sharia, who you can marry, Alhamdulillah, in Surah An-Nisa, we have one entire list which we will go through. Because understanding who your maharim are, maharams, that is very, very important. But he was not very keen. In fact, all of the Khulafai Rashidin, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab, and Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, were not keen for people to get married to close relatives. The reason for that is because of the very strict ruling of the Sharia to maintain good ties with the family members. Strict rules of the Sharia to maintain good ties with the family members. So for an example, if Amr, not Umar, if Amr decided to get married to Fatima, 
But before getting married, both of them are related anyway. They are cousins. They are cousins, so they are related. But now, Amr decides to get married to Fatima. And if for some reason the marriage does not work out well, and if he was to give talaq to Fatima, generally what would happen is that all the family members of Fatima would break their ties with Bakr's family. So now, what would happen is that not only has he lost the wife, but at the same time the family members have also broken ties with themselves. So Sayyidina Uthman Khulafai Rashidin were not very keen. In the case where you marry a woman who is not related to you, and if the marriage did not work out well, all you have to do is just make salam to the family members. And that, that would be enough. But in the case where you have families that are closely related, then there should be some communication between the families. So Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was not very very keen for people to get married to their very close relatives. And this was the opinion of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and also the opinion of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. Now who are our baharim? We talk about uh, halala, we talk about mut'a and uh, some of the other rulings that are now uh, uh, prevalent in our society. So we need to understand some of the masail. In Surah An-Nisa, just the last page of the fourth para, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us an entire list of those that are your maharim. Those that are your maharim closely related to you, as in nikah with them would be haram. That is the meaning of mahram. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا مَا نَكَهَ آبَاؤُكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَمَقْتَى وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا Prohibited for you is to marry women who have had intimate relationship with your fathers. Prohibited for you is to marry women who have had intimate relationship with your fathers. And the word aba means fathers. Not only your father, this will also include your grandfather, your grandparents and your great-grandfather. Both your grandfathers from the mother's side and also from your father's side. So anyone who has been a partner to your father, for the child to even think about getting close to her or to engage with her would be wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَمَقْتَى This is something that is detestable and it is an evil path. Now in the time of Jahiliyyah, during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa it was a very debauched society, Behaya. You would find that they had no rulings. A man would take as many as 50 wives, as many as 50 wives. Today if a person takes a second wife and you'll find women looking up, uh, Musa Bai said, Bus, that is it, I am 84. I am 84. And the wife could be listening at home. So, in the time of Jahiliya, you had as men who would take 40 wives, 50 wives. And women would come in the nikah for one week and goodbye. For one month and go away. And so, you'd have at times the eldest son not realizing that the woman who he is engaged with, 
might have been the partner to the father. So this was the society they were living in. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanallah, abolished this system. Allah says, وَثَاءَ sabila." What an evil path this is. Allahu Akbar. And <coughs> subhanallah, this is the beauty of Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained all the masail explicitly in, in a clear language. Why? Today, unfortunately, we have a lot of sickness in the society. Even incest, even incest is something that is in the society, in the Muslim community. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us. You'll find people, women who are lesbians. You'll find men who are homosexuals and gays. You'll find incest. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained the mas'ala here very clearly. In fact, the scholars have mentioned, even for some reason, if the father had some illicit relationship with a woman, that means that he was not married to her. He was not married to her, but he had some relationship with her, he, would t- he had touched her, then even that woman would become haram for that person. Although nikah was not performed, but because she had been with the father, then it would also be haram for the, for the son. Or in the time of jahiliya, what would happen is that when the father would pass away, the stepson would come in the middle or the eldest son and he would decide to take uh, all the wealth of the father and at times what he would do is he would even accept the widow of the father. Now this was a practice in Jahiliya. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained to the ummah here very clearly that it is prohibited for you to marry women who have had intimate relationship with your father. And secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حُرِّمَتْ أَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ Prohibited for you are your mothers. Prohibited for you are your mothers. Now mothers would include your mother and your grandmother, your great-grandmother. Mother uh, from both sides. أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُكُمْ And your daughters. Your daughters as in your daughter and also your granddaughter. They are your maharim. It is haram for you to... To come close to your banats. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ And your sisters. Sisters would even include your half-sister. So for an example, same father, different mother. Same father, different mother. Or same mother, different father. So وَأَخَوَات Even your sisters are your maharim. وَأَمَّاتُكُمْ وَخَالَاتُكُمْ and your aunts and your maternal aunts. Your aunts and your maternal aunts. Pupi or your khala. Pupi or khala. They are also your maharim. Wabanatul akhi wabanatul ukhti. Wabanatul akhi means the daughters of your brother and the daughters of your sister. Your nieces and your maternal nieces. Your nieces and your maternal Nieces, they are also your maharim. Now, these are individuals uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned here that are completely haram for a man to get close to or for them to come into nikah. But at the same time, uh, we need to understand that even if they are your ghair maharam, even if it is your ghair 
mahram, she is your gair mahram. Sorry, even if she is your mahram, even then, if she is young and uh, the the uncle might be young, for example, there is a niece there, then precaution must be taken in the sharia. Because at the end of the day, shaitan is shaitan. And Hazrat Yusuf alayhi salatu was salam has said, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِ إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِالسُّوءٌ That is why it is not jais in a sense for a daughter-in-law to be alone in the same room with the father-in-law. It would be incorrect. Though she is the mahram, but precautions must, must be taken. Precautions must be taken. As it is mentioned here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِ أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ And your maharima also your foster mothers. So if a lady has given you milk, she is also your mother. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّدَعَةِ And also your foster sisters. So the same lady has given you milk, might have given milk to another woman, so she would become your sister. وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ And the mothers of your women the mothers of your women and Allah subhanahu that is your mother-in-laws and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَرَبَّائِبُكُمُ اللَّاتِ فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِن نِسَائِكُمُ اللَّاتِ دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ and your stepdaughters which are under your care now this is very important your stepdaughters which are in your care from women whom you've had intercourse with from women whom you've had intercourse with. So you decide to marry a lady and she is in your nikah, but she might come in your nikah with her daughter. So even that girl, your stepdaughter, will become your mahram because you've had intercourse with the mother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِلَّمْ تَكُونُوا دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ فَلَا جُنَاهَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَحَلَائِلُوا أَبْنَائِكُمُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ أَصْلَابِكُمْ and Allah says, the women of your sons from your own own loins, as in your sons, your sons, who and you are uh, the biological father, their wives are also haram for you, as in daughter-in-law. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This mas'ala uh, came to me when I was in India. Um, this is also haram for a man to combine in his nikah two sisters. Two sisters. Now a person can marry two sisters. If one sister, if one lady passes away, then for a person to marry the sister, that is jais. But for a person who practices polygamy, and for him to have two women and both of them are sisters, that is not jais. In the time of jahiliyyah, this is what people would do. They would take two sisters into the nikah of one person. Now, in India, this case was also. Uh, there are some cases I've heard that this is a, a common practice among amongst the Muslims in some part of India that they take uh, two sisters into nikah because of poverty. Now, this is uh, against the Sharia. It is not jais. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also says, "Walmuhsanatu min nisai illa ma malakat aymanukum." This mas'ala we have to understand. Allah says prohibited for you is also to marry women who are married. Women who are married. What happens? Unfortunately today, because we don't have an understanding of the masail, you'll find some women 
that the husband is away for five years, six years, seven years, and they think that because the husband is absent for five years, she automatically gets a divorce from the husband, and it is jai's lawful for her to marry another person. Or sometimes what happens is that the lady has put an application to the civil court that she wants a divorce. But yet the husband has not signed the paper documents and he himself has not given talaq. He himself has not given talaq. So whatever the authority does, that talaq is not valid. That talaq is not valid until the husband decides to give talaq. And so you'll find that because she's got some papers in front of her, she will feel that, oh, I have papers in front of me. The decree is in front of me. And so I can marry whoever I want. And unfortunately, you'll find a lot of women marrying other people, other men, whilst they are still in the nikah of the first husband. Not realizing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned here, وَالْمُحْسَنَاتِ When a woman decides to marry a person, the nikah must be done properly. Two witnesses... And the wakil must be there. That is why it is important that when the nikah takes place, two parties are there in one sitting. Two parties are there in one sitting. For an example, you can't make a nikah if you have the two witnesses in England and if you have the wakil sitting in India. If you have the wakil sitting in India. According to the scholars, even by phone, even by phone, if the woman says that yes, I have decided to marry this person, according to the fatawa, and I have checked on this, some of the muftiyani izam have said that this nikah is invalid, unless she appoints someone as her wakil, and the wakil is there and the witnesses are there both the parties are there so the nikah must be done properly and if the lady or the husband decides to terminate, terminate the marriage then that termination of the marriage must be done properly. You must have documents, you must, uh, you must have everything uh, in clear terms. You don't have to have the talaq in a written form. If the husband has said talaq to the lady verbally, then that would even be ex- accepted. But the best method is that when a man decides to give talaq to a woman, then he should make two individuals as witnesses there. Two individuals as witnesses. Only then, mashallah, the, the proper method of talaq can be given. Other than that, my respected brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned that the maqsad of marriage is muhsineen, ghayra musafiheen. It is to protect your chastity. It is to protect your modesty. Ghayra musafiheen. It is not about fulfilling your lust. So, nowadays you'll find also a lot of uh, the students that come to England to study, a lot of the students come to England to study, while studying, they obviously being human beings, they have the desire, and they are not married, so they come here to study, and they want to marry a lady in the university and in the college for six months or one year. For six months or one year. And they make nikah for six months or they make nikah for one year. 
this is all wrong. This is all wrong according to the Sharia. This fits the category of mut'ah. And mut'ah is not the place for the people of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. It was a practice of the Shi'iyun and the Rawafis would practice this and they are practicing this until today. A man has to be very very serious on the subject of nikah. When he decides that he wants to take a woman into his wedlock, then the intentions must be very very sincere. That he wishes to be responsible for her and he will keep her in nikah for the rest of his life. That should be the intention. And only then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you barakat in life. Inshallah ta'ala we ended that. Just had to explain some of the fatawas uh, with regards to nikah and iddat and talaq uh, in the opinion of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. Uh, I request the brothers again that if there are any issues, any masail on the subject of talaq, on the subject of idda, please to consult the scholars and to sit with ulama. MashaAllah, these masail are very, very important for us to know, like how we learn the Masail of Hajj, like how we learn the Masail of fasting, like how we learn the Masail of how to perform Salah. People get married but unfortunately have no understanding of uh, the duties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the Sharia has imposed on that individual, the rights that must be given to the woman and in fact the wife won't even know the rights that should be given to the husband. So we have to study these masail and inshallah with knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make that relationship a relationship that is filled with love. Allah pakareko tawfiq de wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabil umi wa ala alihi wa salim taslima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tuba alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Samayna wa ta'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-masir. Birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin.